0: Hey Maximizers, welcome back. This is Kurt Mortensen. Of course, this is Maximize Your Influence. We're going to take a deep dive on how to become more influential, more engaging, more persuasive, better negotiator, a better person, and be more successful. We're going to take a dive today on how do you increase that participation, that persuasion, that influence, that engagement on Zoom meetings and in meetings in general. So everyone stay tuned. Hope everyone's having a good week, achieving their goals, making things happen. I spent a couple days teaching persuasive presentations, and usually I do upper management. This was beginning leadership management. You know, I've also teached this course at a university level, and a couple things to take away from that so you know. First one, nobody knows how nervous you are, so don't tell them. I would say 99% of the time the audience has no idea that you're nervous, that you're feeling so nervous. Unless you lose bladder control or faint or do one of those things, they're going to know. But most people don't know, so don't tell them. Don't plant that seed. If you get up and say, oh, I'm really nervous, that's what they're going to look for. If you say, oh, I'm not prepared. I was up all night. I'm not the expert in this topic. I should have prepared more. I should have done better slides. Those type of things. You're discounting yourself before you've even started. So don't do that important safety tip. So let's dive into our persuasion ninja. Somebody needs to send me a new sound. We've been using that one for way too long. Hey, this uh, past week, I went to this exposition center. It's a large exposition center. I was meeting up with some people to do a potential event there. And it was on the weekend. And there were three expositions going on there was a gun show a spa show like a jacuzzi and a scrapbooking show hello that's a ninja i mean you talk about three very different people demographics styles all mingling under one roof all their marketing got people there i was thinking wow you attracted three different expositions three different demographics all under one roof in the same weekend, all getting along. Imagine that. That's a good one for human nature, where people with different styles, beliefs, hobbies can get along under one roof. Now, they had their separate areas, of course, but there were common areas. I don't know why I was so amazed, but it was just three completely different styles, beliefs, backgrounds, hobbies, all in one place, all attracted to the same place, probably using the same type of marketing. So that's the ninja. Here's what you need to think about. What can you do to get to your demographic, to that person that's the most interested? You learn this in advertising. We want to know who is that 80% that's going to buy this product or service. Not the 1%, 2% they maybe sometimes they do, but the majority, that's who you attract, that's who you bring. So how can you fine-tune your demographic, find that demographic, appeal to that demographic, And, of course, that big question, persuade that demographic, that style, that personality, that belief. We could even get into psychographics, you know, how they think. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but people think differently. (laughs) Even the male-female brain thinks differently. The liberal-conservative brain thinks differently. They're wired differently. That's no secret. We'll have to spend some time talking about how they're wired differently and how to persuade each one of those. So that's our ninja Wow, all in one spot, three very different demographics attracted to the same spot. Basically, all doing an exposition, different things, but all at the same time. Which brings us to listener email. Oh, boy! This is Wade from Wyoming. That's good to ring to it. it. Says, hey, Coach Mortensen. Okay, so I better explain that. When I teach public speaking or persuasive presentation, especially at a university level, I just have them call me coach. I'm their coach, that's what we do. So that kind of sticks. Even when I'm at the mall or around town, or like, hey coach, I know it was an ex-student. Anyway, I took your college course on persuasive presentations and you were right. It is the course I use most in the business world. I told ya. I remember a module you taught on job interviewing. And of course everyone, I think you know that is public speaking. I'll admit I should have paid more attention. I'm looking to change job and have a job interview coming up. What are the trends you are seeing? What do you hear? What should I focus on as I prep for this interview? Well, basics. If you're late, doesn't matter whose fault it is. They cross you off the list. Be early. Try to match or do a little better than how they're dressed. Do your research. We know all those things. The trend part, they're going to look at your social media before they talk to you. That is a huge trend, so watch what you post. And there's a big trend, too, on the crazy question. I don't know what else to call it, where they'll ask you a question, especially in tech like Microsoft or the SaaS-type companies, where they just ask you a question, and there is really no solution. They're like, how would you solve? the fill in the blank. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They just want to see how you think on your feet and what your answers are. For example, one that I do when I interview people for my company is I'll find out what their thing is, if their thing's golfing. It could be anything. And I'll just say, okay, what golf club best describes your personality and why? I don't care if they're a driver, if they're a putter, if they're a pitching wedge. Don't care. I want to see them think on their feet. I want to see them be creative. I want to see them roll with it. So we're seeing a lot more than that, but more complicated than that. For example, if you were shrunk down to the size of a pencil and you were stuck in a blender, how would you get out? I mean, it's crazy, dumb, impossible. Whatever word you want to use to describe that, but hey doesn't matter what the answer is. Think on your feet. What is your solution? What are you going to do? That's a critical thing. And another one, I don't know if it counts as a trend, but I am seeing it more and more, is one of my favorites. You know, tell me about your personal development program. What was the last podcast you listened to? What's the last book you read? What were you listening to on the way in? For me personally, it tells me everything I need to know if I'm going to hire somebody. doesn't matter if you think it's fair. We're just dealing with reality. So wait, there's the answer to your question which takes us to the geeky scholarly article. This comes from the Harvard Business Review, Joel Schwartzberg, and our friend COVID. Like, what? Yep. Well, the article is how to get people to speak up in virtual meetings, and we're virtual meeting people now because of that dang COVID. Even when that's over, that trend is still going to be there. Like, oh, I don't have to travel. I don't have to put pants on. I don't have to drive anywhere, but there's some challenges we've talked about. Zoom fatigue. Look that one up in the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. The archives are there. Your free persuasion IQ assessment's there. The free edition of Maximum Influence is there. So basically everything you need, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. I'll we'll also put the link to this article there, including the advanced trading programs. So we have these virtual meetings. Usually Zoom. But sometimes there's the Microsoft version, there's the Skype version, there's the Adobe version, there's other versions. We've got this. But how do we get better answers, more interactions, not just from the people that spout off every time, those extroverts, but everyone? How do we make this easier, not like pulling teeth? So let's get into the article. They talk about these virtual meetings. Yeah, easier to arrange, attend. They have all these fun features like chat, Q&A, break rooms, reaction icons, whiteboards. I mean, there's a lot of fun things we could do with it, although they rarely get used. We'll have to talk about that. But let's go through the tips in this article, and I'll add my two cents. The first one, share your questions ahead of time, especially those that don't speak up. Maybe they don't think as well on their feet. Let them know you expect them to interact. You expect them to answer this question. Don't give them a list of 20 questions. One, maybe two. If you really need to, I'll give you three. Let them know ahead of time. And that goes into number two, establish the rules that encourage participation. Not during the virtual meeting, Before, As you start, here are the rules. There's no bad ideas. Everyone gets a minute. Everyone has to participate. The purpose of this meeting is, are the cameras on or off? You decide ahead of time. You know we only have an hour? So we have to be brief, everyone gets 30 seconds, I will call on you, or you can just interrupt. And I'll use both of those, depending on the size of the meeting. If there's 100 people, you can't have everyone interrupting. But if there's only five, six, eight people in a virtual meeting, let them interrupt. I like that, especially in your longer meetings where we want more interaction. Up to you. Uh, this article loves the cameras. Everyone should have it on. Um, I agree as a presenter, there is more interaction, but it does increase the Zoom fatigue. It is a little harder. So yeah, it's a good thing. It's interesting as a trainer, I love to have but as a participant. I kind of like to hide with my camera off. Just saying, set the rules ahead of time. The next one, ask simple questions in chat. I mean, you can put questions in chat. You can cut and paste them. I encourage you to do that. So you don't have to sit there typing, making them wait. Cut and paste your questions. I would say ask your easier questions first. Get them in a pattern to answer the questions. Now, when I'm doing webinars, especially those that have continuing education credits, I say, look, every question I ask, you need to answer." And then I say, you can unmute and talk. You can raise your hand, wait for me to call on you, or you put it in the chat. So every question gets answered, that does increase participation. And part of that, too, is maybe make the answer simple, like maybe through a poll or... Choose one, two, or three, or Y for yes, N for no, or I've seen some people do webinars where one is yes, two is no. Everyone give me a yes. Everyone, everyone answer that question. It's real simple. It's fast. It, and that does, a simple thing, increase participation. Next one in the Harvard Business Review article is follow up on those questions, meaning you've asked a question, they've answered it, and say, okay, Bob. Can you let us know why you chose that one? Can you elaborate? Have you tried that before? Now, as you look at your answer, what could be the biggest barrier or the biggest benefit of doing that? And even follow up from there. So call people. Call them by name. That increases participation. Shocks them into reality. But it does get them to contribute a little bit more. Especially if you're calling people by random, just like the classroom. you got to be on your toes in case somebody asks you a question. You can't be in, what's the scientific term, la-la land, half in space, daydreaming, whatever you want to call it. Next one is be clear about what you're asking for. So make sure your expectations are clear, getting ideas. It's a simple question. They shouldn't have to ask clarifying questions about the question. Keep it simple. And if for some reason your question doesn't get answers, we could put them into group to answer the question. Put the question in the chat. Put them into groups. They have five minutes to come back with an answer. Interaction, engagement, increases participation, which increases persuasion. Because if they're not listening and they don't care, they're reading their email, they're looking on their phone, you can't persuade them. Keep them engaged. Next one, don't shame attendees. I don't know, that's kind of fun sometimes. (laughs) I think what they're getting at is Nobody has questions? Really? Is you guys dumb? Nobody? This is important. I can't believe you have questions. Did you not sleep last night? <laughs> okay. You probably don't want to make them feel uncomfortable guilty. I mean, maybe there's a type and place for that. Or people feel picked on. That could be a challenge. You want your goals to get everyone to contribute. They feel comfortable, not forced to do it. We all know one of the laws of persuasion is a law of esteem. And when you bruise someone's self-esteem, it hurts your ability to persuade. You enhance it. It opens the doors to influence. Great questions. Thanks for contributing. Create that great environment. appreciate you bringing that up. Set the atmosphere is what I'm going to add to that. Here's one. I think I kind of instinctively do this. They say, at least Keith, he's the founder of Lucid, Lucid Meetings. He does a five-second rule. You ask a question, you count. So five seconds before moving on. This article says seven seconds is probably better. You have to do what they say, you know, season to taste. So you have to adapt to what you do. But let me add this you need to make sure, whether you're face to face, virtual meeting, doesn't matter. When you ask that first question, you might need to go 10, 15, 20 seconds. You have to know that you are going to wait as long as you need to to train them that they need to answer it. The worst thing you can do is panic, oh, it's been three, four, five seconds, and answer it yourself. You've just trained them to what? You're going to answer all the questions. Why do I have to listen? You're going to ask the questions anyway. Give them time. So that very first question very important. And final one, when you're asking questions, they say it's a conversation, not an interview. So you don't want to say my first question. My second question is, so they say you have a better transition. So I'm like, the next question relates to what we were talking about earlier, or what Frank said earlier, and do that. And let me add too, when you're asking these questions, I do like how they say it's a conversation, not an interview in persuasion. I mean, especially a one-on-one virtual meeting, you don't want to be the lawyer or the parent asking the questions, interrogating, putting people on the spot. No, you're the consultant. You're asking questions. You're digging deeper. You want to know more. That's the mindset you need to have. That's what you're looking for. So good article, Harvard Business Review. Again, the link will be at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So there you have it. You know, how do you increase that participation on virtual meetings, that influence, that engagement? But let's add to this, what about face-to-face? And a lot of these overlap, but I just want to say whether it's a virtual meeting or a face-to-face meeting, if your audience is bored, confused, not listening, too comfortable, too hot, too cold, too overwhelmed, your fault. Remember, there's no such thing as a boring topic, only a boring presenter. So you have to keep them engaged. If they've tuned out, now there might be a rare occasion where it might not be your fault, but most of the time, if they've checked out, you better back up and get their attention. Because you know, if they're not listening, they're not engaged, you can't persuade them. So here's some great ideas. The basics. We talked about using questions. Questions always get answered. Sometimes mentally, sometimes out loud. Engaging visual aids. Notice the word Engaging. We've talked about this. Check it out in the archives. PowerPoint. Text on a slide is not a visual aid. It's text on a slide. It triggers different parts of the brain. So a visual aid. Doesn't have to be PowerPoint. Could be an object. Could be a video. Could be a variety of different things. Group exercises also works very well face-to-face. Get people interactive, working together. Humor. Man, you want them to like you more. Increase trust. Release a little oxytocin. If you don't know what that is, go back to the archives. That is the trust chemical in your brain. So use humor, appropriate humor, relevant humor. Sometimes the startling statistic, rhetorical question, startling statement can work well. Relevant examples, metaphors, similes. Change mediums, meaning you want to treat this like an infomercial or network TV where every 12 to 15 minutes there's a commercial or something different happens. And so take all these and switch it up throughout your presentation. Keep your body moving. Get away from a podium. Don't dim the lights. Don't turn your back to the audience. And make sure you practice it. Maybe not your weekly virtual meeting, but if this is important, you're trying to persuade, make sure you know it. And the biggest one, I've talked about it many, many times, getting sending to the archives, use stories. Stories grab attention. They create mental involvement. That's what you're looking for. They simplify complex ideas. Because a confused mind says no. They're memorable. That's what they remember is the story, not your statistic. They trigger emotions, which we all know are more persuasive than logic. They connect you with the audience. They get to know you as a person. But better, we've talked about it before, stories persuade without detection. And it lights up their whole brain. When you do an MRI on a brain, logic, facts, statistics light up two parts of the brain. Stories, it's like six parts of the brain. Big takeaway, if you've lost your audience, a uh, story, make it happen, goes a long way. And that's part of it too, because a story you can rally around a cause, competition, maybe there's a victim, a villain, you know, tell that story, work through that. So spend the time, discover what your prospects want and need to hear, design a winning persuasive presentation and deliver that message with passion, compassion and purpose. That simple, you got this, you can do this. So that's our podcast for today. Thanks for being here. Let me know your questions at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. Again, we're on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio under Maximize Your Influence. And we're continuing with our special, which goes hand in hand with what we talked about today, Presentation Skills. Go to PresentationIQ.com. Again, presentationIQ.com. Take your presentation assessment and see where you rank. See your strengths and see your weaknesses. It helps with my research. It helps you peg some of the things you need to work on. And for doing that, I'm going to give you my perfect persuasive presentation training step-by-step on how to be more engaging, more charismatic, more persuasive. Because anybody can communicate, but are you convincing them to do what you want them to do? It also has the template step-by-step on the formula of a perfect persuasive presentation. Check it out. Let me know what you think. So as you think about virtual trainings, face-to-face trainings, one-on-one group trainings, what can you do? What's that one thing you learned today to be more engaging, to be more influential, to increase participation in those meetings. What can you do? So pick something, apply it, use it, become more influential, become a better presenter, have a better presence and go out and persuade with power.